Hey, kibitzers! In honor of one of the most important, yet least known holidays on the Jewish calendar, this is a special abbreviated episode featuring Kasher vs. Kasher talking about your favorite day of the year, which, as I'm sure you know, is right around the corner. That's right, only four shopping days left until Shavuot, depending on when you're listening. Now, I must confess, I knew absolutely nothing about Shavuot. Uh, Sure, I'd heard of it uh, somewhere, and I probably pronounced it wrong. But as I discovered, Shavuot is really, well, it was really the first Jewish rave. Now, to explain it all, I've got Rabbi David Kasher and his brother, comedian Moshe Kasher. So stock up on those blintzes and cheesecakes. It's time for the revelation on the kibitz. Is it Shavuot or is it Shavuos? I don't know what the Yeah, deal. that's good. I'm impressed. I'm impressed that you even know the name. I mean, like the first place to start is that that is the the biggest Jewish holiday that basically no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Well, like, I... sh- so it's Shavuot is one pronunciation. Shavuos is like the more European pronunciation. But yeah, like it's the word is Shavuot and it means weeks. And it refers to the seven weeks of counting days after Passover until until you got to this holiday, which was originally a sort of agricultural festival. Wait, so you're saying it's a counting the days until the agricultural festival holiday? <laughs> cool, right? <laughs> and you wonder why it's the most underrepresented <laughs> holiday in Judaism. No, but no, but uh, here's the deal, is that uh, it was, as it appears in the Torah, it's an agricultural holiday. But before I, like bore you any further it ultimately turned into or became recognized as like the day of commemorating the revelation at mount sinai so it actually ends up being a celebration of the torah and just like of our receiving of the torah seeing god at the mountain and all that kind of stuff even the patriarchs realized that the original (laughs) understanding of shavuos was a little too boring (laughs) they're like well what if we add our origin story into this (laughs) Uh, well you know yeah there's in the uh, the, the maybe this maybe this will be interesting maybe not but there's three. I'm gonna guess no <laughs> <laughs> big fat no there's three agricultural on. festivals in the Torah there's Passover uh, Sukkot and Shavuot and Passover we all know has a big story attached to it the the Exodus from Egypt even though it's an agricultural holiday so that kind of like it, it was natural to to look at the others and say oh well what might have happened that was connected to that story on these other holidays and for Shavuot the thing they identified was the once they left Egypt then they got to Mount Sinai and then they saw God and and you know I mean that's a pretty classic religious thing to celebrate is just revelation and enlightenment and contact with God so yeah that's I'm into it what? Oh, sorry. I, I took a nap, but I'm back. No, I'm kidding. I'm, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, but so, and, and, and so it's the, it's, it's when, in theory, we, we received the Torah, but not. Oh, not, Dan, it's not theory. That's sorry. fact. Yeah, sorry. Rabbi, That's got the, jo- Rabbi got jokes, too. <laughs> That's a historical fact. Yeah, in theory, we received the Torah on that day. And the way that we celebrate it now is uh, to stay up all night studying the Torah. Like, it was just like a Jewish version of a party. So like a yeah, that's like a, the first Jewish rave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We stayed up all night to the pumping sounds of Torah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Of praying. <laughs> yeah. But this is supposed to be like our greatest moment of contact with, 
with God. It's like somehow it's not we we don't we don't believe we see God, but somehow God came down upon the mountain and the entire um, nation had an experience of God at one, you know, like mostly it's like Moses going up and talking to God, but this was somehow the entire people of Israel had some experience of God. So, but that's through Moses, right? Or no, in this, mo- well, generally speaking, yes. But in this moment that he came, this is like ten, the 10 commandments moment, right? Like he, God came, I shouldn't say he, but good, but you know, whatever God is came down upon the man. Them. I shouldn't say he, I should say <laughs> the male God of Israel, <laughs> but the male uh, gendered God of Israel the came down and the, yeah, long beard. That is not the rabbi talking. The phallic god of Israel. <laughs> um, yeah, came down on the mountain and, and 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 sort of announced, "I am the Lord your God," and and the rest of the Ten Commandments. And the people were like, "Okay, so this stuff that Moses has been saying is definitely true. Like that's God." Right. That's one of the interesting things about Jewish uh, historiography. <laughs> Good word. Said. But um, that basically. Even if you're a believer that all religion is mythology, which, you know, there is at least a mythology that states that every member of the nation of Israel had a collective experience of of a religious revelation. So either that something happened to all all of Israel at once or somehow someone made up the story that all of Israel accepted, even though they hadn't experienced it. So it's like there's a weird it's this weird moment of. If none of this is true, then how do we have a, a part of our mythology where everybody experienced revelation at once? Mm. Yeah, yeah. When I was in, uh, I, I, when I was in yeshiva in Israel, sort of seminary, and I was in a very kind of extreme one. They used to they used to cite that as like a, a proof that this is the true religion because other religions have these revelations that only one person experienced, but we had a revelation that you know, over a million people experience and you can't fake that, you know, because <laughs> right. somebody would know that that wasn't true. So <laughs> that was, but the, so, uh, all right. But I guess my problem is that, you know, my, my vision of all of this is, uh, is based on, uh, I think like Cecil B. DeMille or something, whoever made the 10 commandments film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in fact, Cecil B. DeMille. It was right. Very okay, good. I, I, just, yeah. Yeah, I was a film major. I, I'm glad I remember something <laughs> from my drunken college days. Uh, like, so this is a different thing than Moses getting the Ten Commandments and bringing them down. Well, or, or you're saying like Moses was like a conduit and then it was just sort of transferred. It, yeah, it is. A, it's a different thing, although obviously it's like, you know, related one step after another. But first, God announces the Ten Commandments to all of the people, makes, makes God's presence known to all the people. And then Mo, the people are sort of overwhelmed. They, In fact, they say this is too much. You go and take care of the rest of this because we can't, we're afraid that we'll die. That was the original you go girl. That's where that phrase comes from. <laughs> yeah, they used, they to, used call- to call Moses a girl. <laughs> yeah, which is a whole separate conversation. Yeah, very mean. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so basically the people just can't handle the experience of God. It's somehow too overwhelming. And so they say, Moses, you go and, and get the rest. And Moses goes up and one of the things he gets is the Ten Commandments. But <laughs> what happens is then he comes back down and by that time the people are already like worshiping the golden calf. Like it took, you know, took just, you know, just a, a short period of time for them to move from a total experience of the one true God to like, no, let's build a golden calf and dance around it. So then right. Moses gets mad, smashes the first tablets and has to end up going back and get another set of ten, of tablets for and that's that's where the no- notion of schlepping came from yeah yes yeah. That's hello the- god <laughs> listen back. i some things went wrong <laughs> what can i say i need another tablet mm. two for the price of one though 
Actually, he that, paid a heavy that's price. Very, that was very Jewish, yeah. But he did pay, in fact, pay, it wasn't the price of one. He paid a heavy price. Didn't why, he? why, why? Didn't he not get to go to Israel because of that? No, that was a different thing. That was, but but it's related because he got, he, Moses eventually like lost his temper and God, God doesn't seem to like it when Moses loses his temper. Although God is cool with God losing God's temper. <laughs> <laughs> Classic patriarchal double, double, double standard. standard. <laughs> um, now, David, what is the mod, a modern Jew to glean from the holiday of Shavuos? Yeah. Well, Moshe, that was a very interviewy question. Right? <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Thanks for doing um, my job. I appreciate it. Well, look, I think that that revelation is a kind of a, a, a fundamental human experience, or at least humans are fundamentally fascinated with the idea of revelation of like of of encountering something new and something some sort of clarity some sort of moment of awakening i mean all religious traditions have it whether it's the buddha sitting under the the tree or 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 um uh, islamic or christians also they they also believe in revelation and i think to a certain extent you know sci- the scientific worldview also has a version of this, you know, like Newton. Newton sits under a tree and gets hit mm. by an apple, or Archimedes says, "Eureka! Like I discovered something." This is just this. There's just this really um, basic uh, phenomenon that we are that we are captured by of of discovery and and revelation. And I think that that's the that's that's a way to relate to this mm. holiday. Just like what would it mean to to experience either a new encounter with God or just like a new insight or a new understanding. And, and the Torah is the kind of traditional medium that Jews have used to facilitate that. But I think it's, you know, there's all kinds of human ways to, to have that kind of revelatory experience. There's, um, there's also this part of Jewish mythology that we somehow were all there, like all Jews that it's not just right. that all of Israel was there at the time, but all Jews that ever would be were there too. Isn't that right? Right. That that somehow the, the 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 nation that was there embodied all of the souls that would ever be in the Jew- Jewish people. So you have inherited one of those souls. So and now, so people will say yeah. things like, you know, oh, I, I I saw you on Sinai, and I remember once we were at this kosher restaurant. Like basically, we were all there at Sinai, right. reveal, uh, getting revelation together. And we once went to this kosher restaurant with my, me, my mom, and my stepdad and David. And the waiter was like a Chabad like religious guy, and he's like. Somebody maybe said, like, you look familiar. And he goes, well, I did see you to my stepfather on Sinai. And my stepfather's not Jewish. And he's like, nah, I was, he is my like, soul wasn't there. Don't know what you're talking about. My soul about. was in Saxony or at Stonehenge or whatever, <laughs> so getting that revelation. There's even, actually, there's a Jewish uh, dating website that's called SawYouAtSinai.com, <laughs> where you can find your Bashir, your beloved. Your true uh, soulmate. Yeah, yeah, that you were you were hanging out with back at the mountain, and you get to... <laughs> Kick it with the kick it with her again. Yeah, you, you, the set. You think the seven year itch is bad? Try the seven thousand year itch. And so, all right, aside from staying up and praying all night and reading the Torah, and we, isn't there something about eating the dairy? Or something like that. You, Dan, you're always just fixated on the food, right? I know. It's always well, comes back to food. There is a tradition of um, of eating dairy foods on the night of Shavuot, and nobody quite knows where it comes from. It's kind of fascinating. Right? There's, so we eat blintzes and cheesecakes, and but um, there's all these. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying something 
um, um, controversial here. I think in the most tradition- but the Holocaust didn't happen. <laughs> David, why would you say that? David, Jews are better than Gentiles. David, stop it. David, back to cheese. In the most <laughs> in the most traditional Jewish circles, you know, it's it's not even even the most fundamentalist. Like nobody really knows where the tradition to eat dairy comes from. But you know, one example of um, of a suggestion given is that. Um, you know, we have these kosher laws where you don't mix milk and meat, yeah. right? And so um, there was there there's some idea that like once they got the Torah, all of a sudden they had these laws, and so all like they they didn't have any kosher meat like all of a sudden because they had these new laws, and so they they instead they had to eat dairy. That it's just like random ideas of why this tradition might develop, but right. we don't really we don't really know. It sounds like they need to do a little um, like rebranding of this holiday. I mean, it's like first you got the harvest thing, then it's the Torah and the law. Now and it's then cheese. Now it's cheese. <laughs> Make up your well. Brain. I mean, not only do, like so, pizza need would be to the do, ultimate do rebranding. Kind of, but they, that this is this is like an example of I think the way Judaism is constantly being rebranded and re and, and just layered. I mean, this is a, a an example of a holiday that is tremendously layered and that gives you an insight into the way Jewish tradition works. Like there's the agricultural layer and then there's the the attribution to the moment of revelation layer and then there's the like later custom to like stay up all night. Um, and and that's you know And there's the cheese layer. And which there's is the <laughs> cheesy crust on top. <laughs> right. That's a nice layer. My yeah, favorite layer. Nobody doesn't like cheese. Everybody no. loves cheese. Especially yeah. on a burger. Um, so Boo. just what quickly, you say? no. What? Because huh? uh, we, since you brought up kosher, I just wanted to clarify something. Because in this, uh, in my next episode, I'm going to be talking to. I talked to a kosher butcher, um, which was fascinating. But uh, so he said that the kosher laws don't say anything specific about undoing. We shouldn't do undue cruelty to animals. He said that was sarbalechaim. Uh, sarbalechaim, right? Yeah. Right. It could. Right. You could. You could say that those are separate principles in Jewish law, and it, they're like kosher is not related to that. But I will say that w- one of the main features of kosher is this thing that I just mentioned: not mixing milk and meat. And that yeah. tradition comes from specifically you don't cook a baby in its mother's milk, right? Like that you don't. And and they don't say why, but. But it seems to touch on some notion of compassion or sort of humane treatment. Like, it's just too much to think that not only do you eat animals, but you have such lack of sensitivity as to boil a a younger animal in the very milk of its mother. So it could be a connection there to, like, compassion. Okay. But that's more of a, it's just an interpretation. Yes, Moshe. But I will say, oh, sorry, are we, I was going to hardcore change the subject. Hardcore change. Uh, Which is that, you know, the idea that, the way that we celebrate this identity solidifying holiday, that of us getting the Torah, which is the fundamental moment of differentiation between what we were and what we are, right? Mm-hmm. Is to stay up all night and not pray. You keep saying prayer, but you're wrong. It's to study yeah. all mm-hmm. night. It's a very interesting, it's not for me. I'm not, I don't consider myself particularly intellectual, but I honor the intellectual tradition that is laced in Judaism. The idea that a holiday, one of the biggest holidays we have, that the way you celebrate it is by literally staying up all night and engaging in intellectual study of text, I think is like a, that's a real, like, direct metaphor for who we are as a, as a learned people. It's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. And, I, you know, for me, it's, in some ways, it's my favorite holiday, just because that's the, 
you know, as a rabbi, the center of my spiritual life is not prayer and it's not um, ritual. It's, it's the study of the Torah. And, and that, that act of, of just pouring through text and debating it and, and coming up with rev- new revelations and new ideas, that's, to my mind, that's the central Jewish practice. And it's one that I would love to see, you know, modern Jewry begin to engage with more because I think it actually is excess. I mean, we're, you know, uh, religious or not, we are largely a very kind of intellectual, whether that's brainy or funny or, or, or sexy, but like, (laughs) but that's a, that's a, that's a way I think of, of, of conceiving of Judaism as a, as a, as a, as a tradition, as a practice that isn't so tied to law or some of the other more classic features of what religion is in our minds, but just that is about conversation, study and pouring over ideas and debating them. And that's, that's, that's in some ways what it means to, to, to be a Jew. Judaism is, I think if I'm correct, the only religion that has incorporated study, not as a part of the religion, but as a part of the religious experience. Mm -hmm. Like that, in, in other words, you're engaged in an, in a religious ritual by engaging in study and like you know the catholics did it with like the uh, jesuits and i'm sure muslims and buddhists have the same thing among their clergy but this applies to the lay person too that part of the act of being a religious jew is is studying so it's basically a religion for big old dorks for nerds which is why i reject that shit (laughs) i'm out you know i'm out here doing cool stuff like touring around the country doing comedy with my wife Nice. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we're gonna, I think we'll uh, we'll let you get back to doing that and uh, go off and enjoy the rest of your honeymoon tour. Thank you. Everybody have a very happy Shavuot. And go to MoshaKasher.com if you want to see some of those dates. Or ParshaNut.com if you want to study the Torah. Ooh. ParshaNut.com <laughs> for the Torah. MoshaKasher.com for the Thunna. For the Thunna. Uh, Thunna. That was a good one. All right. Well, happy Shavuos to you guys. Yeah, ooh. Very European. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this mini episode. Now, please go get on the social medias and tell your friends about the Kibitz. We need more listeners. And, you know, we're on Twitter at Kibitz Pod, and we're on Facebook slash The Kibitz. Uh, we're going to have another full episode soon. It's part three of my series on food, and it includes a very rare, fascinating inside look, or inside here, I guess. It's a podcast at a kosher slaughterhouse near Los Angeles. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So check it out. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. And uh, until then, happy Shavuot from the Kibitz. Kibitz.